Well, as Pastor Brian said, uh, we're going to be talking this morning about it being well with our soul. If you're new to Faith Bible Church, I'm Pastor Steve. It's great to be with you today. And right now we are in a series at Faith Bible Church called Navigating Life. How to know the Lord's will for our lives as we try to navigate life. And I'm going to encourage you to turn first with me in your Bibles to the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. We're going to look at several passages of scripture this morning as we begin to talk about experiencing the Lord's peace in decision making. As we started out our series, we talked about two fundamental truths, the most important truths in this whole subject about navigating life. Truth number one was this, that in decision making, as we contemplate a certain path, it is critical, it is vital, it is imperative that we make sure that the decision that we are contemplating fits within the boundaries of God's revealed will. Another way of saying that is that what we're thinking about fits within the clear commands of the New Testament and principles of the New Testament. It's living within God's fences. The second major principle that we talked about is actually told to us in Ephesians 5 to be the will of the Lord. That is, that we be filled by the Spirit of God. Controlled by the Spirit. And in Galatians 5, the Apostle Paul also tells us to walk or be walking by means of the Spirit of God. Which means that while every Christian, according to Romans chapter 8 verse 9, has the indwelling Spirit of God. At the moment we put our faith in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God comes into your life and my life and takes up residence there. So even though every Christian has the indwelling Spirit of God, we are also commanded to let that Spirit of God be in control in our lives. And walking by the Spirit means that we allow the Spirit of God to be in control moment by moment, hour by hour, day by day. The Spirit is to be in continual control in our lives. So, if principle number one is there, that the decision that we are making fits within God's revealed will. And if, to the best of our knowledge, we are allowing the Spirit of God to be in control in our life, the fruit of the Spirit that Paul lists in Galatians 5, is for the most part there, evident in our life. We do not have to worry about missing God's will. If we are living within God's boundaries, we will be within the will of the Lord. That is the most critical, the most foundational truth that I could share on this subject. That is foremost in our thinking. Will this decision fit within the fences, within the boundaries of God, of the New Testament commands and principles that we have from the Lord. 
Now, once we've asked those foundational questions, once we've looked at that foundational issue, there still remains the question, so how do I make decisions? And that's where our focus has been the last few weeks. We started out looking at decision-making between husband and wife and noted that husbands and wives need to be making decisions out of oneness as husband and wife and decisions that promote oneness as husband and wife. We talked about the need in our decision-making process of to seek out wise counsel. And the book of Proverbs lists not only a counselor, but it's always talked about in the plural, that we need to seek counselors, not only of those who have lived more life than us and have experience in that area that we're contemplating, but also those who uh, have a knowledge of the Word of God. We not only need wise counsel, we need wise godly counsel. We moved on last week to talk about the concept of open doors and saw that the New Testament uses the term open doors, but maybe a little bit different way than what we normally do in this subject. That the New Testament views an open door as an opportunity that each of us need to be looking for as we navigate life. I'm kind of a destination kind of guy. I want to get there and I want to get there soon. And it's easy to forget that in the journey, in my everyday life, as I live out the mundane, that God's will is for us to be looking for open doors, opportunities to talk with people about Jesus. Well, today we move on yet to another aspect of this whole process of navigating life, and that is the whole issue of the peace of Christ. One of my mentors throughout my life, clear back to day one of college, has been a man named Harold Berry. Harold was a friend of our families. He is an Iowa boy born in Martinsdale. Lived in Martinsdale, Iowa as a kid. No hospital there. I don't think Harold was born there. Same as me. I lived there and wasn't born there. And uh, over the years, he's continued to be my mentor. Harold and I communicate regularly. He often texts me. I taught him how to text. And he often texts me on Sunday morning, I'm praying for you today. And we visit periodically. We served on Back to the Bible broadcast board of directors for eight years together. He's just a dear, dear brother in the Lord who has great wisdom. And I will never forget the day that we were, I was sitting in his class and he started talking about how to determine God's will. And he shared with us that he and his wife Donna had always followed this principle, that the peace of Christ needed to rule in their hearts. And so we're, I want, that's where I want to go today, but in order to get there, I want us to take a good look at what the New Testament teaches us about the peace of Christ, and then we'll apply that at the end. To begin, I, we're going to turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16. We're going to see that our ability to experience peace 
comes from the Lord of peace. I'll read the verse. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16. Now may the Lord of peace himself continually grant you peace in every circumstance. The Lord be with you all. Notice, first of all, in that verse, that it says that it's the Lord of peace. That peace comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. And while the Apostle Paul also often brings his letters to a close the way he does here, with a prayer for those to whom he writes, here it's not just a closing. He, he actually is praying that the church in Thessalonica would experience peace. But peace only comes from one place. One person. Jesus Christ. And so Paul prays, may the Lord of peace himself continually grant you peace in every circumstance. The Lord be with you all. It's interesting Remember, the New Testament was primarily written in Greek. And in the Greek language, when the Apostle Paul writes, Now may the Lord of peace himself continually grant you peace. In the Greek text, there's a little article, the, before the word peace. Literally, we could translate this. Now may the Lord of peace himself continually grant you the peace in every circumstance. New Testament scholars would, would conclude that the Apostle Paul is trying to stress that the peace is the peace that comes from the Lord of peace. It's the only place we find peace. It's in Jesus Christ himself. And in every circumstance, we'll tuck that one away and come back to it. Turn with me over to the book of Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 and 7. Very familiar verses. If you are an anxious person like me that is a destination kind of guy that always wants to know how everything's going to work out in the end, who's continually running scenarios about, now if this happens then I should do this, if this happens I should do this, if this happens I should do this, if you're wired the way I am, you need these verses. Because every time I start feeling anxious, I pray these verses back to the Lord. Probably more than any other verses in Scripture, I pray these verses back to the Lord. Here they are. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I used to get frustrated because when I'd feel anxious, I'd start praying these verses, and I'd feel like, I'm still feeling anxious about this. Where is that surpassing peace that's supposed to guard my heart and mind? And I'd go back and I'd pray this more, and I'd pray this more, and then I started looking at the verse very carefully. It says, in everything by prayer and supplication, meaning, you know, I'm telling Lord, I'm feeling anxious about this. I have angst in my life over this issue. But then it goes on to say, with thanksgiving. I haven't been doing that. And so, 
I started to incorporate that into my prayer life. And I'd say, I'm feeling anxious about this. And thank you, Lord. Thank you for kind of what Pastor Brian asked us to do this morning. Thank you for this time and this time and this time when you were faithful. Thank you for loving me so much that you sent your one and only son to die in my stead. Thank you for your grace in my life that you gave me salvation, but you equipped me to live for you. Thank you that everything that you allow into my life is you bringing me into conformity with Jesus Christ. And as I take my anxiousness to the Lord and then thank the Lord for all that he is doing in my life, start to experience peace. But notice what the Apostle Paul says about peace in verse 7. It's the peace of God. You see, we only get peace one place. In the person of Jesus Christ. We only get peace through a relationship with God. We People say they get peace through their stuff, through their career, through their marriage, through their kids. But the longer you live life, you realize that none of that brings peace. In fact, sometimes it detracts from peace. Peace is only found in a person. In Jesus Christ. Finally, as we look at the source of peace, I invite you to turn to Galatians 5. Again, very familiar verses. And in Galatians 5, verses 20 down through verse 23, it's very evident to us from these verses if we are allowing the Spirit of God to control us or not. Very evident. If the Spirit of God is not in control, our lives are going to look like verses 19 and following. Paul calls it the deeds of the flesh. This is what our life will look like. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envyings, drunkenness, carousing, and the Apostle Paul says, and things like these, meaning you get the idea that... That's what it looks like in your life and my life when the Spirit of God is not in control. But when the Spirit of God is in control, then we see the fruit of the Spirit starting in verse 22. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You see, peace only comes from the Lord. And what the Spirit of God does, when the Spirit of God is in control of your life and my life, the Spirit of God is replicating the life of Jesus in you. The Spirit of God, that's the role of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God does not lift up the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God lifts up Jesus Christ. So when the Spirit of God is controlling your life and my life, the Spirit of God is replicating the life of Christ in you and through you so that when others see you, they see Christ in you. Peace only comes through a person, Jesus Christ. And remember, for example, in 2 Thessalonians, Paul prays that the Thessalonican church would be experiencing peace in every circumstance. 
that the fruit of the Spirit is marked by peace. And the Apostle Paul encourages us in Galatians 5 that we are to be be walking by the Spirit, meaning the Spirit's always to be in control in our life. In other words, peace is normal for the Christian. Peace is what is supposed to be ruling in your life and my life. If you're a native Iowan, you probably will recognize the name Fairway. Fairway is a grocery store that we have here in Iowa, and they've extended a little bit into Omaha and some other places. We have a Fairway just south of our house, two and a half miles or so. When you go to Fairway and shop, when you're done at the cash register, a Fairway employee will... Take your groceries and walk out the door and put them in your car for you. Now, if you move to Cedar Rapids from Texas or California or New York City, and you go to a fairway and are checked out, and all of a sudden, somebody takes your groceries and puts them in your car, you're going to think, whoa, this is amazing. In fact, you may have had a friend come to you and say, Guess what? I just went to this grocery store called Fairway and I got my groceries and I bought my stuff and they took it out to the car for me. And we look at them like, yeah? No, you don't understand. I went to the grocery store. The grocery store. And I bought my stuff. And they bagged it. And then they they carried it out to my car and put it in my trunk. And we say, yeah, that's that's." What it's supposed to be. That's normal. There's a lady in first hour that had a friend here from California. Had that same exact experience. And the lady started panicking because she thought someone was stealing her groceries. <laughs> no, we said that's normal. That's the norm. Being, experiencing, having peace is the norm for the Christian. That's the normal experience. That that state of well-being. That that ability to rest in the Lord. It doesn't mean that we never have trials. It doesn't mean that we never have an anxious moment. But that settledness, that trust in the Lord. The way I put it in my own frame of reference is that nothing touches my life apart from the permissive will of God. I can rest in that. I can be at peace in that. That, that whatever touches our lives is the Lord bringing about His purposes in our lives to make us more like Jesus Christ. That peace is only found in a person. It only comes as a result of the Spirit of God being in control. We can't say, okay, now I'm going to have peace. We can't somehow motivate ourselves, listen to enough 
speakers to say, okay, now I think I'm in my happy place. It's not something that we can maneuver. It comes from the Spirit of God because the Spirit of God is replicating the life of Christ in and through you. And peace is only found in a person, the person of Jesus Christ. It's Christ's life lived through you. It's the norm. Now having noted that peace only comes from a person and peace is to be the norm in our lives, I want us to turn over to the book of Romans chapter 14 as we are navigating through scripture, seeing what the Bible tells us about peace. In Romans chapter 14, very familiar passage, it's the passage where the Apostle Paul is talking about living the Christian life. The Christian life is more than a bunch of check boxes that we check off. I can do this, 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 and this. I can't do this, 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 and this. No, the Christian life is living our lives in such a way that people see Jesus Christ lived out in us. And there's lots of freedom in the Christian life. And Paul's talking to those who experience freedom in the Christian life and said, now, there may be brothers or sisters in Christ in your, in your web of relationship that don't feel as much freedom as you. And being a stronger brother or sister in the Lord means that out of love for them, you will lay aside some freedom if it will promote peace with your brother or sister in Christ. And so that's the context of Romans chapter 14. And as we come down to verse 16, it says, Therefore, do not let what is for you a good thing to be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And here, when the Apostle Paul is talking about the kingdom of God, he's talking about that mystery form of the kingdom that we are now in. That at the moment you place your faith in Jesus Christ, believing that he's God that died for you and rose again. At the moment I put my faith in Jesus Christ, we become kingdom people. That we are Jesus Christ representatives here on this earth. And Paul is saying, the kingdom of God's not eating and drinking, but it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Remember, it's only through the Spirit of God being in control in your life and my life that we experience that peace. Verse 18, for he who in this way serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men, by men so then... We pursue the things which make for peace in the building up of one another. So Paul says, we not only find peace, inner peace, that, that security, that, that sense of well-being, that the Lord is doing his work in my life and I can rest in him. We not only have that personally through faith in Christ. But we're also to pursue peace with brothers and sisters in the Lord. We also see that in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 3. If you remember with me to the book of Ephesians, the first half of the book, chapters 1, 2, and 3 are doctrinal. It's theology. It's talking about who we are in Christ. 
Then you get to chapter 4, verse 1, and chapters 4, 5, and 6 answer the question, so now what? This is who I am in Christ. Now, how am I supposed to live? So in chapter 4, verse 1, Paul writes, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of calling with which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness and patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We don't create unity. Jesus Christ created unity of the Spirit when... He brought Jew and Gentile, freeman and slave, uh, male and female together in this church. He created unity. But Paul tells us that we are to be pursuing that continuation of that unity, being diligent to preserve the unity in the bond of peace by pursuing peace between brothers and sisters in Christ. So, so far, we've seen the New Testament teach, number one, peace is only found in a person, in God, in the person of Jesus Christ. And it's the norm to have peace, to possess peace, is normal for the Christian. And we're not only to be experiencing peace, Within, But we've seen in Romans 14 and Ephesians chapter 4 that we are to pursue it in our relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now remember Romans chapter 12 verse 18. Because in Romans chapter 12, 18, the, I'll pick it up in verse 17. The Apostle Paul says, never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what's right in the sight of all men, if possible. So far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. So, sometimes the other person may not want to be at peace, but as far as it depends on us, Paul is challenging us to pursue peace. One of the things that I appreciate about how my wife Barbara raised our sons in our home was whenever they would fight. And believe me, they fought. Those guys could really have a nice fight. And Barbara would sit all three of them down and and uh, she can be stern. And she'd look at those guys and say, this is not acceptable. This home is our safe place. And she'd talk with them about how they go to school and they can have fights, at, people have fights at school. They can be in the neighborhood and people have fights in the neighborhood. But when we are at home, this is our safe place as a family. We don't fight at home. We don't speak harshly to each other at home. We treat each other with kindness and love and we share at home because this is our safe place. Our home is a place of peace. And what the Apostle Paul's underlying message to all of us is, the church of Jesus Christ is our safe place. We can get beat up all a ton in the workplace, trying to live for Christ in your neighborhood, 
trying to walk with the Lord at school, some going off to university. Wow, what a, what a potential there is to get beat up. But the church of Jesus Christ is to be a safe place. It is to be a place where we pursue peace with our brothers and sisters in Christ. So the Apostle Paul, here in Romans 14 and Ephesians 4, is telling us not only does peace come from one person, Jesus Christ himself, but we need to pursue peace with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Which brings us now, having looked at those fundamental truths about peace, to the book of Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. And when we read Colossians 3.15, we're going to see that we are to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. Let me read the verse. Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Now my professor, Harold Berry, was very quick to say that Colossians 3.15 is a message to the church. It's a message to the church in Colossae. That within that church, within that church family, they were to allow the peace of Christ to rule in their hearts. And the, the word rule there sometimes is used as an athletic term. It's, it's used as one who decides that, that, that peace is what is the deciding factor. Peace is the, is what dictates the decision. In the margin of my Bible, down in the notes, it says, or act as arbiter. So if, if one person has a passion to go this direction and another person has a passion to go this direction, peace is to be the arbiter. It's the coach. It's the, what peace is to, is the ruling factor. So, if peace is to be the ruling factor, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. How does that principle, and the other principles that we talked about on the New Testament teaching of peace, how does that connect with navigating life? And I think it's, a fair application, even though, again, I want to be very clear that Colossians 3.15 is written to the church to be applied by the church as a whole. But the, I think there's a good principle for here for us in navigating life that peace needs to rule in our hearts. So let's try to put some flesh on this. You're making a decision. And in the weeks ahead, we're going to talk about decisions that that people make. Like, how do I choose a mate? Um, how do I know if I should buy this or not? You know, some of those everyday, well, some of those are not everyday, they're big decisions. But those kind of decisions. You're facing a decision in your life. How do we go about navigating that decision? Fundamental principle number one. Does this decision fit within God's fences. 
doesn't fit within the boundaries of God's revealed will as we find it in the commands and the principles in the New Testament. If I am looking at a decision and the New Testament clearly says that I shouldn't do that and I'm pursuing doing it, I guarantee you, if you are a Christian and have, and if you are, you do have the Spirit of God dwelling in you, you will not have peace. You will not have peace if you are contemplating a decision that clearly violates the New, a New Testament command. You will not have peace in your life because where does peace come from? The Lord. And the Spirit of God is not going to give you peace when you are contemplating or making a decision that violates God's boundaries. So you look at that, say, does this decision fit within God's fences, the boundaries? Okay, yes it does. Then how do I navigate? Well, first of all, fundamentally again, if a decision fits within God's boundaries, and if we are operating under the empowerment of the Spirit of God, we don't have to worry about missing God's will. We can make a decision and have confidence that we are being obedient to the Lord. But within those parameters, how then do I go about decision making? Well, we seek counsel. And remember Proverbs talks about seeking counsel in a multi, from a multitude of counselors. People who live more life than us. People who have expertise in a particular area. People who know God's word and how to apply it to specifics in daily life. If you are married, we, we navigate life by doing it together as husband and wife. Out of oneness as husband and wife and making decisions that promote oneness as husband and wife. And then we can apply Colossians 3.15. Let me give you an example. The last, one of the last major decisions that Barbara and I faced. We pretty much throughout our, all of our married life have tried to follow these principles. So first of all, we make sure that we'd be obedient to the Lord if we did this. That we fit within the boundaries. And if we do, then we have always sought out wise counsel from more than one person. And usually God has used the counsel from several people to help lead us to a decision. We pray about it. And one of the last times that that we faced a major decision, we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we, we took James chapter one, verse five, you know, Lord, we don't have wisdom here. We need your wisdom and you've promised it to us. And we asked the Lord for wisdom. And yet it, we just did not have a sense that we had direction in our lives. And so we, we just waited and we prayed some more and we prayed some more. And finally it came down to Colossians three fifteen. And we basically said, we just don't have peace moving forward with this decision. And so we said, you know what? We're not going to head down that pathway. And at the moment that we decided not to head down that pathway, we experienced peace. We said, you know what? That is the right decision for us as husband and wife. Now I know that Maybe your experience in trying to determine God's will in your life is a little bit different than mine. And maybe your 
walk with Jesus looks a little bit different than mine, but the principles here of the New Testament are sure. The most foundational principle, does this fit within the boundaries? If scripture says no, and I'm thinking yes, I'm not going to have peace if I'm a Christian. And then from there we start to navigate and we seek counsel. We pray and ask the Lord to give us wisdom. And ultimately, what Barbara and I have found through our, our married lives together is if we don't have peace after doing all those other things, we shouldn't move forward. We need to seek the Lord's peace in all decisions. You know, remember, it's the norm. Being at peace. Remember what Paul said in Second Thessalonians? That he prayed for the church at Thessalonica that they would have the Lord's peace in all circumstances. And if we're not sensing that peace, we should not move forward in that particular decision. You may be here this morning and, and you have some heavy stuff going on in your life and, and you just are burdened. You want to spend some time praying. One of our leaders at Faith Bible Church will be back in the prayer room. One of our elders encouraged you to go back and spend some time in prayer this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for what it says about peace. That peace is only found in a person, in you. We thank you that the Lord of peace makes it possible by the indwelling Spirit of God for us to experience His peace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.